Good morning. It's 11 minutes before the hour. You're listening to Raven Radio, KCAW in Sitka. Today is Thursday, April 21st, 2022. I'm Robert Woolsey, and this is Raven News. Over 75 new coronavirus cases were reported by the state last week in Sitka. Months ago, this jump in cases would put Sitka's COVID alert level at high, but CDC guidance now weighs hospitalizations more heavily than case counts. So Sitka remains at medium because there have been no hospitalizations associated with the recent uptick. KCAW's Catherine Rose spoke with Dr. Elliot Brule about how the local healthcare community is changing its response to the pandemic. Some of the new coronavirus cases over the last week are linked to outbreaks at two local health care facilities that serve some of Sitka's most vulnerable, the state-run Pioneer Home and Search's long-term care unit. Search Chief Medical Officer Dr. Elliot Brule says those outbreaks haven't resulted in any hospitalizations. And the staff of both of those facilities are doing a terrific job of caring for people. Nobody has had to be hospitalized. And uh, anyone who would qualify for one of the medications that we use now to treat COVID disease for high-risk individuals, medicines like Paxlovid and uh, Molnupiravir, uh, our staff, our medical staff is prescribing those medicines. The Alaska Department of Health and Social Services reports new COVID cases on a weekly basis, and this is the biggest jump in cases in Sitka since early February. Getting a clear read on the number of positives in the community is even harder since many are taking advantage of readily available home test kits. But according to new community guidelines from the Centers for Disease Control, the number of new COVID cases doesn't carry as much weight as it did earlier in the pandemic. And even with the recent uptick, Dr. Brule is optimistic about where Sitka stands with the virus, almost two years to the date since the community's first COVID case was reported. I think we are in a good place. There's a lot of reasons why. Perhaps most notably, Brule says the current variant, BA2, although highly contagious, doesn't seem to be very virulent. So people are not getting really sick with it. And we currently, we don't have anybody in the hospital for COVID disease. So, um, and we haven't for some time. So uh, that's good news. He says community awareness around the virus and public health remains strong. People know what to do to protect themselves, wash their hands, stay home if they're sick, and take a COVID test. The other tools, vaccinations and being up to date on boosters, remain crucial. Another layer of the COVID protection, the mask, has been making headlines again after a federal mandate for masking during air travel was lifted on April 18th. Mask requirements have been dropped, but that doesn't mean you can't wear a mask. I mean, and I think if you're concerned or you're vulnerable, um, just like at any point in time in the last two years, um, uh, you should you should wear a mask. So what does this mean? Case counts are going up, but local hospitalizations are still at zero and have been for a while. So is that return to normal that many are hoping for finally here? Will the coronavirus become endemic? What's next? We would all like to have closure and certainty, but we don't. Brule says it could be that COVID, like other viruses, may become a part of the lay of the land in public health. But he says one thing is clear. At an individual level, the approach to the virus is still pretty straightforward. And I think that's what we can control. You know, we can control our own, you know, health and behavior 
in terms of trying to stay safe. So, you know, I, I continue to urge people to get vaccinated uh, if they've been vaccinated and eligible to be to get a booster, to get a booster, and that they, that they um, need to stay home if they're sick. Brule says PCR COVID tests are still available at Mountainside Clinic Monday through Saturday, and local vaccine clinics are still administering out initial doses and booster shots free to the public. Reporting in Sitka, I'm Catherine Rose. The Alaska Marine Highway System is dropping its mask mandate nearly two years after imposing it. The, the mask rule on ferries is, uh, has been lifted um, for the ferries and for the terminals, so no more masks required. Sam Dapsevich is a spokesperson for the State Department of Transportation. A recent um, court order from federal court ended the U.S. Department of Transportation mask requirement um, for public transportation. Dapsevich says the state ferry system started requiring masks in late June of 2020 after several outbreaks of COVID-19 on board vessels. We didn't have one at first, and there was an incident on the Testamina where I think when it was out on a chain trip, there were about six positive cases, that, and the ship came back and was quarantined for a while in Seward. And then I think at that point, we instituted a mask mandate. Although passengers and employees are no longer required to wear masks, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention still recommend people don face coverings while indoors and on public transportation to slow the spread of the coronavirus. Federal COVID-19 protocols that were mandatory for last year's cruise season are now optional, but cruise lines visiting Alaska are still expected to follow the voluntary guidelines for the coming season. Ketchikan's acting city manager Lacey Simpson says in a memo that all cruise lines scheduled to visit Ketchikan's city-run downtown port have indicated they plan to follow the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention's COVID-19 protocols. Norwegian Cruise Line, which is scheduled to tie up its ships uh, up at a privately run port north of town in Ward Cove, has also said publicly that it's opting in to the program. As part of the voluntary program, cruise lines are encouraged to sign agreements with the ports they plan to visit outlining their COVID-19 protocols. One agreement between Royal Caribbean and a wide range of Alaska ports is up for Ketchikan City Council approval on Thursday. Under the proposal, 95% of crew and all eligible passengers 12 and older are required to be vaccinated against COVID-19. Passengers would be required to present a negative COVID-19 test before boarding. Shoreside workers who interact with cruise passengers and crew are also highly encouraged to be vaccinated. With the start of the cruise season fast approaching, Ketchikan City officials are asking the council for the authority to sign similar agreements with other cruise lines. Cruise Lines International Association Executive Brian Salerno told Coast Alaska last week that the cruise industry expects some 600 voyages to bring roughly 1.5 million passengers to the state this summer. Large foreign-flagged cruise ships, which bring most passengers to Alaska, are also required by federal law to stop in Canada. Canadian authorities require all passengers 12 and older to be vaccinated and present a negative test. Amid questions from the public, the Petersburg School District explained in detail how they have spent federal CARES Act funding at the last regular school board meeting. As Angela Denning reports, most of the pandemic money went to extra staffing for students and technology for schooling from home. 
The school district has received about $928,000 so far for COVID response. The money came in three phases. In the spring of 2020, the school district received about $143,000, which expired June 30th of last year. The second phase brought in about $242,000 and expires the end of this June. The third funding phase is supposed to last the next two school years and is worth nearly $544,000. Finance Director Karen Morrison presented the breakdown to the school board. So all of these funding sources really have been used in our district to address and support learning loss um, by hiring additional staff so that we have smaller classrooms and we're providing small group interventions. The funds have also been used to purchase technology devices like laptops. The district bought 160 Chromebooks for third through fifth graders. Support software and accessories have also been purchased, along with refurbished MacBooks and some smart boards. Some funds went to an extended summer school program last year, including bus transportation, and they expect to do that again this July. Besides a few extra teachers for smaller class sizes, the district also hired a reading interventionist for 4th through 6th graders. Sanitation supplies were bought, and someone was hired to clean all the technology devices every day. And some PPE materials were also purchased. Superintendent Erica Kluhpainter said future spending will look similar, focusing on students and staff. We will continue to do that uh, moving forward because that's a big component of it is looking at student achievement and any sorts of learning loss or disruptions that have happened over the last couple of years. The school board presentation stemmed from questions that the district has received from the public. One misconception was that the money was tied to masking, according to the superintendent. Kluhpainter says some people thought that school districts had to require masking to get the funding, but that's not the case. There seems to be some misunderstanding about that. Well, you only got the money because you put masks on our kids. And that's just not true. So um, there were districts who had much reduced uh, protocols and also received those federal dollars. The spending breakdown can be found on the school district's website. School Board President Sarah Holmgrain stressed that the information has always been available to the public. But she hopes the new graphics will help people understand it better. If they have a question, instead of speculating or guessing, they can just go to the website and they can look at where everything, and it'll have links to other spots so that they can see that there's nothing been hidden. There's all, it's all been up front right from the get-go. Painter says the funding process has been very transparent through the state of Alaska's Department of Education. Grants for all school districts can be found on its website, and anyone can view Petersburg's grant applications. In Petersburg, I'm Angela Denning. I'm Robert Woolsey, and this has been Raven News.